0: The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Today's story is Romeo and Juliet as told by Nanny Piggins. Here we go. Nanny Piggins, Boris and the children had just got home from the police station. None of them had been arrested. Not this time. Nanny Piggins had been dropping off a bribe. You see, the police sergeant was fond of her shortbread cookies, and by fond, I mean powerlessly in the thrall of their deliciousness. So she liked to drop off a batch with him periodically as a preemptive bribe before she'd even done anything wrong. Then, on the occasions when she did slightly stretch the limitations of legal behaviour, such as blasting herself out of a cannon at the local swimming pool for the amusement of all the neighbourhood children, which was delightful to them, but not so much for the octogenarians doing laps in the slow lane, who had not anticipated a pig cannonballing into their midst. On occasions such as this, she rarely had any shortbread cookies on her person. Sadly, swimsuits never have waterproof cookie pockets, a design flaw they really should look into, so she never had any to give the police sergeant when he arrived. Therefore, it was better to just regularly drop some cookies off so that his blood sugar never dipped low enough for him to be very angry with her. Anyway, they had just returned from one such trip, when Samantha went to her nanny with a question. Nanny Piggins, are you familiar with the story of Romeo and Juliet? asked Samantha. Yes, why? asked Nanny Piggins. Surely your school cannot intend to put on such a morally bankrupt play. Well, actually, yes, they are, admitted Samantha. Good gracious me! "'Quick, fetch me some chocolate,' said Nanny Piggins. "'I've never been so shocked in all my life.' "'And I once accidentally walked into the clown's tent "'after they had taken off their makeup. "'so I have seen some deeply shocking things.' "'They're getting us to perform it for the end-of-year concert,' said Samantha. "'They thought it would be educational.' Oh, "'Only in the way that getting hit by a bus is educational, "'because it makes you never want to set foot out of your own home again,' "'said Nanny Piggins.' Well, what's wrong with Romeo and Juliet, asked Michael. I thought it was a famous, well-regarded play. Ha! Piffle sticks, said Nanny Piggins. That's just what theatre critics and literary experts say. Anyone with half an ounce of common sense, which excludes all theatre critics and literary experts because they didn't even have the good sense to get a proper job, anyone with common sense can tell you that it's a dreadful play about dreadful people doing dreadful things. Well, so's The Young and the Irritable, said Derek, and that's your favourite TV show. True, conceded Nanny Piggins, but everyone knows that daytime soap operas are dreadful and morally bankrupt. When highbrow theatre geniuses like Shakespeare do it, it's just plain wrong. So you're offended by the immorality of Romeo and Juliet, asked Derek. He wanted to clarify, sometimes it was hard to understand why Nanny Piggins was upset about something. It might seem that she was morally offended, but then turn out she was just upset because she hadn't had a slice of cake for two hours. Of course, it is a dreadful, morally bankrupt story about how that wicked young man, Romeo, tormented my poor cousin, Juliet, said Nanny Piggins. Your cousin, asked Michael. Yes, said Nanny Piggins. Juliet, from Romeo and Juliet was your cousin, asked Michael. Yes, that's what I said, said Nanny Piggins. Her full name was Juliet Piggins. I thought Juliet was Juliet Capulet, said Samantha. Well, you know what we Piggins is alike, said Nanny Piggins. When you're this staggeringly good-looking, gorgeous, and good at baking cake, you constantly have to change your name to evade the agencies the crime prevention agencies, asked Derek. No, the modelling agencies, said Nanny Piggins, constantly wanting you to model the very latest outfits from all the leading designers in Europe. So Juliet was a cousin of yours, said Michael. Yes, of course, said Nanny Piggins. Think about it. Romeo fell head over heels murderously in love with her at first sight, married her within 24 hours and was dead within a week. You have to be seriously good-looking to make a man do that. So, of course, she was a Piggins. It sounds a bit grim, said Samantha. That's what Juliet thought too, said Nanny Piggins, which was why she didn't want to have a bar of him. She wasn't interested in Romeo, asked Michael. Not at all, said Nanny Piggins. You'd better tell us the real story of Romeo and Juliet then, said Derek. All right, agreed Nanny Piggins, it's probably for the best. You don't want to wind up in that predicament yourselves. If you ever find yourself having a love affair so astonishing that a playwright wants to take notes on you, that's a good sign that you should run away and join the French Foreign Legion immediately. Now, where shall I begin? I know, the beginning. It all began several hundred years ago in Italy, when my dear cousin Juliet was doing nothing much at all, just sitting around the pensione looking fabulously beautiful, as you do, when her parents decided to throw a party. Obviously, she wanted to go to the party because party means cake. But at the party, as Juliet was shoving people out of the way and kicking people over to get to the buffet table, unbeknownst to her, she had been spotted by a young man called Romeo, said Samantha. Yes, said Nanny Piggins, and he was a particularly weak-minded nitwit. I thought he was meant to be passionate, idealistic and romantic, said Samantha. You say tomato, I say tomato, said Nanny Piggins. Romeo stood there, right between Juliet and the buffet table, blocking her way. So he either had a serious brain injury or a personality deformity, or both if you ask me. Now Juliet was a lovely, genteel girl with very good manners, so she didn't immediately kick Romeo to the ground and march right over his prostrate form to get to the cake, as was her instinct. She smiled and stepped around him. And that was where she went wrong. You see, Juliet was staggeringly good-looking at the best of times. But when she smiled, her face turned into a supernova of beauty. It's a wonder Romeo's brain didn't explode. Although perhaps it did because he immediately lost his mind and fell head over heels in love with her. Juliet tried to carry on with the party and eat as much cake as possible, but she couldn't enjoy herself. Romeo kept following her around like a great gormless drip. When she finally went to bed that night to get some much-needed rest after a hard night of cake eating, there was Romeo, hanging on the trellis outside her window, saying some of the most ridiculous things she'd ever heard. And to make matters worse, it was all in rhyming couplets. Like what? asked Michael. He compared her to a summer's day, exclaimed Nanny Piggins. I mean, she was a pig. So, of course, she was a thousand times better than a summer's day or a rose or any of the other ridiculous twaddle he came up with. It was most vexing. It's ever so hard to get your full eight hours of sleep when a man deranged with love is outside your bedroom window spouting love poetry. What did she do? asked Michael. What any sensible girl would do, said Nanny Piggins. "'Go outside and agree to marry him,' said Samantha. "'Please,' said Nanny Piggins. "'No!' She rang a lawyer and applied for a restraining order. "'Because if hanging on a trellis outside a girl's window isn't stalking, "'I don't know what is.' But Romeo wouldn't take no, yet, nine, non, nay, e a, boo, "'or any other variation on the negative for an answer. "'Because he was so in love,' said Samantha." "'Yes, perhaps because he was so in love with himself,' said Nanny Piggins. "'He was so proud of how much he loved her, more than anyone ever loved anyone. "'But it was just narcissism. It was sickening. "'He kept hounding Juliet, telling her how much he loved her and wanted to marry her.' But Juliet wasn't interested in getting married, said Nanny Piggins. She hadn't even seen all the movies in the MCU yet. She'd never been to Paris and eaten her entire body weight in chocolate eclairs. She would barely lived at all. She didn't want to settle down and get married yet. But she knew Romeo wouldn't take no for an answer. So she needed to come up with a cunning plan. Did it involve taking poison, asked Samantha. No, that's just the melodramatic nonsense Shakespeare came up with, said Nanny Piggins. Juliet was much more sensible than that. She took a potion that would make her go to sleep, so that she could sleep through Romeo's tedious poetry whenever he came over to tell her how much he thought he loved her. The problem was, when Romeo saw Juliet asleep on her couch, he leapt to conclusions. He was not a terribly bright boy. I think all the poetry had had a corrosive effect on his brain. He thought she was dead. He also saw that she drank from a vial of potion, so he took the vial and drank the rest himself. ''Oh, no,'' said Samantha. ''No, it was a good thing,'' said Nanny Piggins. ''It set him right off to sleep.'' He did snore a great deal, which was unpleasant, but far preferable to poetry. When Juliet woke up, she discovered Romeo's sleeping body. ''Then she realised she actually loved him,'' guessed Samantha. No! Then she realised this was her chance to make a run for it while he was fast asleep, said Nanny Piggins. She got on a train to Interlaken in Switzerland, said Nanny Piggins, where she got a job as a ski instructor, and she lived happily ever after, teaching rich people how to plummet down mountains at breakneck pace, then recover from the shock by drinking hot chocolate. So she lived happily ever after, the end time for bed. But that isn't the version Shakespeare told, said Samantha. "'No, Shakespeare was a bit of a scoundrel himself,' said Nanny Piggins. "'He never did any research. "'I strongly suspect he was actually totally illiterate.' "'Then how did he write all those famous plays?' asked Derek. "'Well, he had a very talented secretary,' said Nanny Piggins. "'Really?' said Michael. "'She was also a relative of mine, as it happened,' said Nanny Piggins. "'Anne Hathaway Piggins. "'She didn't care for the limelight, though. "'She preferred to concentrate on her cake-baking. "'So she let Shakespeare get the credit.' But that is another story. Right now, it's time for bed. The end. That's it for now. Until next time, goodbye.